Well, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. I think it was a year ago when I told the congregation, probably around this time, that my New Year's resolution is to never make another New Year's resolution. (laughs) I kept that, and I'm honoring it again this year. (laughs) Now, out of curiosity, how many people enjoyed the music of the 80s? Okay, so if that's the case, I'm going to need your help this morning. See, in 1986, Bon Jovi released a song that told the tale of Tommy and Gina, who were a working-class couple struggling to make ends meet. Now, this is where I need your help. See, the song said this, and I need you to join me. We have to, we got to hold on to what we've got. Come on, church. We've got to hold on. You know you want to sing it, too. You got to hold on to what we've got. Keep going. Uh Uh-huh. Next verse. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That was the audition for the choir. We'll see you next week. Do know this is not an invitation for you to show up next week with a mullet and a big bang in front. If you do, our ushers will usher you out of here. Now, earlier in that same century, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five came out with a song that described the stress of inner city poverty. And that song said, and I'm going to need your help again, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and for those who knew that song, if you show up next week with a gold tooth in your mouth and start talking like this, <laughs> our ushers will also usher you out of here. See, while we enjoyed the music, it was the lyrics that hit home for most people because they reminded us that life isn't easy. And because it's not easy, it's important to constantly acquire skills that will assist us in living a successful life. This is why today we're starting our new sermon series titled Foolproof, Avoiding the Pitfalls of Life. And during this time, we're going to study the book of Proverbs and address topics such as justice, parenting, the power of words. And we're going to do all of those things through a biblical lens. But today's study is is designed to lay the foundation by providing a brief introduction to Proverbs and discussing the very thing we need from God in order to be foolproof. And that is God's wisdom. So we'll do that by answering the following three questions, which are, what is, who is the book of Proverbs for? What is wisdom? And how we gain wisdom. So let's all bow our heads and pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to corporately come together to worship and for your word. 
God, my prayer is that you help me to say the things you want me to say and help your people to hear what you want them to hear. I pray, God, that both corporately and individually, we will grow in your grace. I pray for those that have not given their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I pray that today will be the day of salvation for them. So, God, open up our understanding, give us revelation from on high, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the book of Proverbs, first chapter, verses 1 through 7, says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, the word proverb refers to a clever or poetic sentence conveying wisdom in a concise and memorable form. Now, these sayings offer practical advice for living a skillful life and a God-honoring life, and it also emphasizes the consequences of us failing to do so. Now, Scripture names three individuals as the authors of these various sections, but while studying the Old Testament, we find that King Solomon served as the principal author. As a matter of fact, it's in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, that tells us that Solomon spoke three thousand proverbs and it was his motivation that uh, he had that desire to pass down valuable lessons moral teaching and practical advice for a future generation now while reading proverbs we have to be very careful to understand the difference between a principle and a promise and it's important to keep this in mind Proverbs should be understood as principles for living rather than promises for life. So again, all Proverbs are not promises. For example, in Proverbs chapter 3, in, yeah, in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 9, it says, if we honor the Lord with our finances and our tithes, our barns will overflow and we'll always have plenty. Now, that's a principle for us to follow and not a promise that those who honor the Lord through their giving will never have lack. And Proverbs goes on to say, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Now, church family, that's a promise. And that's something that we can hang our hat on. So as we go through this book, we have to be very careful in discerning the difference between a principle and a promise. And let's always remember that every principle from God is not actually a promise. Now, the pr purpose of Proverbs is actually found in a prologue we just read. And the purpose is this, is for gaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding God's words and insight, and understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, 
is for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life and for giving careful and wise discernment to the simple. Now, I want you to notice the flow here. The purpose of Proverbs is us for us to gain, to understand, and acquire. But once we receive that information, there's also one more thing we have to do, which is to give. See, if we notice, the book of Proverbs actually sets the blueprint for discipleship. It's our job to seek the Lord and to acquire his knowledge, to gain that understanding. It's designed for us to receive from God, but not for the sole purpose of keeping it to ourselves. We're supposed to turn around and be discerning on who we're supposed to share that wisdom with. So as we go through the book of Proverbs over the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit who you are supposed to be pouring into. As we dive into this book of wisdom and you gain that understanding and God begins to open your understanding with his wisdom, we need you to discern who to share that wisdom with. This right here sets the perfect blueprint for discipleship and our gaining without giving is impacting the kingdom of God. So be discerning on who you're supposed to share that wisdom with. So right here in the prologue, we also find the purpose of Proverbs. And to summarize everything, it's this. Proverbs is meant to give us God's wisdom for living so that we can honor God. And again, we take that and we impart his wisdom to others. See, as we go through this, it will help us navigate life's challenges so we can then turn around and help someone else navigate life challenges. So this bears the question, well, Ross, who is the book of Proverbs for? So the prologue does identify three types of people the book of Proverbs is for. Let's take a look again at verse 4 and 5. It says this, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to the learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So what we see in verse number four is that the simple refers to those who are young in their age, but also those who are young in Christ. It's for those that recently have given their life to Christ and is seeking how to live, a, live life with integrity and wisdom. In verse five, what we see is it's referring to those that, that are mature in their faith and they're supposed to increase in their learning. Now, if you are a mature believer, do know that there are still important things here in the book of Proverbs for you, and it really serves as a reminder that we never graduate from our need to study God's Word. So in the final analysis, Proverbs is for everyone with one notable exception. Let's look at verse number seven. It says, the fool despises wisdom and instruction. Let me tell you this, the book of Proverbs will not benefit the fool because the fool has nothing to learn. How many people know someone who thinks they know everything? When you go to tell them something, they just come back with a response, they're not really listening, and you can tell them right now that it is winter outside and they will argue you up and down. Anyone who denies God and denies his word will not be able to receive wisdom. 
the Bible lets us know that God's word is foolish to them. And so it's not that God is excluding them from receiving wisdom, but because they don't trust God, because they don't trust his word, they are excluding themselves. A fool rejects God and rejects his word. And unfortunately, there are times we can do nothing to help them. Let me tell you this. Wisdom helps us in our discipling process because it tells us when to lean in to those who don't know God and don't know his word. And wisdom tells us when to draw back. See, there are some of us that have the gift of helps. But we have to be very careful with our gift because sometimes if we're not using wisdom, we're no longer helping them, but we're enabling them. And it's wisdom that tells us when to continue to help, but wisdom tells us also when to shut it down. We have to use wisdom because there are some people that just do not want to lean into the Holy Spirit's guiding. They don't want to trust God's word, and we will not do them a justice if wisdom doesn't instruct us when to pull back. We need wisdom in order to help God's people, and we need wisdom to help other people, but sometimes we just got to shut it down, which begs the question then, what is wisdom? So it's important for us to first distinguish the difference between knowledge and wisdom before we actually dive into wisdom. And that's because those two terms are related, but they're not synonymous. See, knowledge is defined as information gained through experience and reasoning, and it's obtained through studying, observing, and actively participating in something. See, at the end of the day, knowledge comes from experience. But wisdom is different. And wisdom is defined as this. Wisdom is skillful living that is rooted in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And this is important. It's both God-given and God-centered discernment regarding the practical issues of life. So knowledge is something that we can gain through life's experiences, but wisdom comes from God. Now, it's important to know that knowledge can exist without wisdom. However, wisdom cannot exist without knowledge because knowledge is understanding a lot about a specific topic, but wisdom is understanding how that knowledge should be applied to our lives. Also know this. Knowledge talks, but wisdom listens. To acquire knowledge, one must study, but to acquire wisdom one must listen. Knowledge helps us learn something new every day, but wisdom helps us let go of something every day. Knowledge helps us memorize God's commandments, but it's wisdom that helps us obey them. See, wisdom isn't merely about intelligence. It's about living in harmony with God's principles, understanding his ways, and then applying that understanding in our lives and in the lives of others, which brings us to our final question, which is how do we gain wisdom? Proverbs 1 and 7 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, as we read through both uh, the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs, we see that this sentence, the fear of the Lord is, is actually used multiple times. 
but I believe is perfectly summed up in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, where it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the question is, how do we gain wisdom? It's found in this scripture right here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, the, in the, the Bible lets us know that this Hebrew word fear is actually translated several ways in Scripture. It can mean terror one feels from a frightening situation. It can also mean respect, but it also means the reverence and awe a person feels in the presence of greatness. So I believe that the fear of the Lord is actually a combination of all three of those biblical definitions, and it could be defined as this. The fear of the Lord is a perpetual awareness of God's terror that leads to repentance, respect that leads to obedience, and reverence and awe that leads us to worship. So in summary, it's, a, it's perpetual awareness that leads us to perpetual action. See, let me explain it this way. I grew up in a generation where we got spankings. Now, I know it's hard to believe, but I received a spanking or two or four. I just wasn't the best kid. I remember this one time I was arguing with somebody, it was a neighbor from down the street, and my mother came and she was trying to de-escalate it, but we all know how we feel when our family comes. We don't de-escalate, we get, our chest gets high, and it's like my mom's here, and I'm standing behind my mom, pointing and, and getting all big chests and, and trying to be tough, why? Because my mom's there. And while my mom was trying to de-escalate the situation, and I'm busy yapping my mouth without even looking at me, she goes, pop! I was like, Start looking on the ground and see if my tooth is there. <laughs> my mom had a wrath. And any time I would make a decision to do something, I thought about the consequences I had to pay because my mom had a wrath. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't call CYF on my mom. <laughs> she didn't beat us a lot. But when she did, let me tell you something. Because of my mom's wrath, I never got spanked for the same thing twice. Because her wrath kept me in line. And when I would go to do something, one of the first things I thought of is, how is my mother going to react to this? So my mom had a wrath. But at the same time, I was out playing one time. How many of you guys played that game, Release the Den? Remember that game? So we were playing Release the Den, and I went to go hide from my friends, and I went to go kneel down on the ground, but unbeknownst to me, there was a sharp piece of glass in the grass that I didn't see, and the full weight of my body went onto this glass, and it cut me right in the knee. At that time, it was the most painful thing I had ever experienced. But during that time, guess who was the first person I cried out to? My mama. 
Why? Because although she had a raft, I knew where I can go for love and for comfort and compassion. I knew that she would hold me and cradle me and let me know that everything is going to be all right. I knew that she would take my wound and begin to nurse it and help apply healing. So although my mother had a raft, I knew about her love. And it was the combination of her raft and her love that drew me closer to her and helped me to be obedient. And then I had this perpetual awareness of her spankings, but also her hugs. And all it did was help me to make the right decisions while at the same time drawing me closer to her. Well, now think of that with God. God is the one who created the universe. He is the God that has all power in his hand. He is the one that looked at the darkness and said, let there be light. And there was light. He is the one who created us, who formed us. But I tell you this, as I read God's word, I realize that God has a wrath. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am afraid of God's wrath. See, I realize and I have this perpetual awareness that God is a man that he cannot lie. So when I read his word and it says that Jesus will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, that they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out of the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, I take that promise seriously and I am afraid to do certain things because of what the Bible says. And let me tell you this, the Bible also says that The wages of sin is death. I believe that. And I am afraid of that. Just in case you forgot, hell is real. Hell exists. Hell is a place. And those who do not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in hell. I tell you this. I am not spending my time here on heaven trying to, I mean on earth, trying to resist the devil just to go spend eternity with him. Hell exists. And I am afraid of of hell. It terrifies me. It frightens the hair off the top of my head. (laughs) Hell is real and it scares me. So when God declares things in his word, we are to remember, we are to memorize them and perpetually remember what he says. When the scripture tells us that we will stand before Christ and there are some people who will say, Lord, I prophesied in your name, I did this in your name, and he will look at you and say, depart from me for I never knew you. That's not a principle, that's a promise. So God has a wrath and we have to remember what that wrath looks like, and have a perpetual awareness of God's wrath. But the good thing is, when we dig into his word, we see that there are some scriptures that bring us encouragement. For example, God says that his love demonstrates, that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God says that the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love will not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall never be removed. Then I read in his word, and I have this perpetual awareness that God is a promise keeper and that he loves us, and I read scripture like there is no condemnation to them or that are in Christ Jesus. 
that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that I can take my fears, my worries, and anxieties before God because he cares and he desires my good. When I read those things, I realize that those are not just principles, but those are promises from a loving God who loves us so much. So it's me taking God's wrath that hell is real and that there will be people in there, and I combine that with the perpetual awareness that God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to take our sins away, to do what we cannot do for ourselves. God had sent his son to do it, and Jesus saves. It's that combination of that perpetual awareness that creates the fear of the Lord. Thank you for that clap. It's that perpetual awareness of terror, respect, and reverence and awe of God that leads us to perpetual repentance, obedience, and worship. And church family, that sets the foundation for us to do this. It sets that foundation for us to gain wisdom and discipline, to understand God's words and insight, acquire a, acquire a disciplined and prudent life, so that we could turn around and give careful and, discern, and discernment to those who are new in Christ. The fear of the Lord helps us to view him with the respect that he deserves. See, he is God. We are not. He is infinite. We are finite. And it's living our lives in light of what we know of him and holding him to the highest esteem and then depending on him in every aspect of our lives with humility. Only then can we discover what godly wisdom truly is. So as we look at how we're going to start this next sermon series called Foolproof, it's important for us to remember who the book of Proverbs is for, was well, for everyone except those who reject God. The next question, what is wisdom? Well, this wisdom that comes from God is skillful living that is rooted in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. It's both God-given and God-centered discernment regarding the principal issues in life. And finally, and most importantly, how do we gain wisdom? We have to have this perpetual awareness of God's terror that should lead us to repentance. His respect that should lead us to obedience. And this reverence and awe of our almighty God that bends our knees and helps us worship him. It's that perpetual awareness that leads us to perpetual action. And fearing God only happens when we put our faith and trust in him. It happens when we submit our will for his will. It's when we decide that there is nothing that I can do to save myself, but I'm going to put my faith in God and allow him to do a work inside of me so that I could be more like Jesus. So as we dive into this book, between now and the beginning of March, 
we're going to hear what Proverbs has to say about biblical love, sex, and purity, about the sanctity of life, about trusting in God, about friendship, and much, much more. And that's why it is so important that we begin with this platform of who Proverbs is for, a biblical definition of wisdom, and a clear understanding on how we get it. I remember years ago, someone told me that we should never accept the invitation to every argument we're invited to. That was wisdom. You got to learn when to speak up, but wisdom tells you when to shut up. And that's hard for me because my flesh tells me that if someone challenges me, I need to argue back. But see, wisdom moves us from trying to win an argument to satisfying God. And the world sees that as weakness, but in the kingdom of God, that is a strength. Wisdom helps us to look at every situation as a win-win situation. Foolishness leads us to try to get over on someone. Foolishness tells us that I have a right not to forgive you because of what you did. But wisdom lets me know that sometimes my healing begins with forgiveness. God's wisdom sometimes doesn't make sense, church family. It just doesn't make sense. And it's not always easy to do. But that's why we need that perpetual fear of the Lord. That's why we have to constantly remember that God is in control and he loves us. Wisdom is when someone told me one day that God loves the hell out of you. He does not want this sinful world to stay inside of us, and it's his love that loves that hell right out of us. So as we go through this, through this book, I want to encourage you to do this. Proverbs is actually 37, 31 chapters. And oftentimes, people begin at the beginning of the month because they know that as they read each chapter every day, including weekends, in one month, they can complete the book of Proverbs. Now, while we're not starting at the, on January 1st, I want to encourage each and every one of you to start tomorrow and read a chapter a day. But while you're reading, I want you to slow down. I want you to hear what Proverbs has to say. And then I want you to pray. And while you're praying, ask God who you are supposed to share the wisdom with. Let this be that platform for discipleship. And as God is helping you to understand and acquire and to gain, remember, you're not supposed to keep that to yourself. So as you begin reading, starting tomorrow, each chapter, Ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me personally, and who am I supposed to share this with? Now, I do have one caveat. While you're reading uh, chapters 1 through 7 this week, I do want you to go and read chapter 31, and that's because next week, Pastor Allen is coming back, and he's going to preach a sermon on justice. And he's going to reference both chapter 1 
and chapter 31. So including 31 in this week's reading will help you be prepared for that message. Please stand for the benediction. I know I'm guilty that once I leave service, you jump right back into the busyness of life. Some people are going to go to work. Some people have work to do. We're going to go have dinner, yada, 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 yada. But I want to encourage you to do this. Even if you have to write this down, never forget who God is versus who we are. Let's always remember and have that perpetual awareness that God does have a wrath. But God is also love. He loves you so much. And keep both the wrath and his love and kindness. Keep those at the forefront of your mind. And as you do that, you will develop that healthy fear. And that will open up your heart and mind to receive God's wisdom. So church family, as you go about your week, keep that perpetual awareness that leads to perpetual action at the forefront of your mind. Ask God who he wants you to pour into and go and run errands for the Holy Spirit so that we can impact the kingdom of God. Church family, I love you and have an awesome week serving our king. Thank you.